First John's language is so simple, and yet, like the Gospel of John, the ideas are very profound. Today, we're going to finish our reading and listening and praying of First John with chapter 5. Welcome to wordofprayer.com. I'm Ron, and I'll be your guide on this journey. Hi, I'm Angela. And we are going to be spending a, a little more time today on First John chapter 5. There's a number of ideas in here. We're going to read through the scripture. There's 21 verses. And I would just ask you to take a moment now, tune your heart to hear God's word, and just really lean in, pay attention, and expect to hear what God wants to say and speak to you. And we'll just try to focus in on a couple of points, give some ideas, and then pray this whole scripture back to God. Thanks for joining us today. We do this in each of our episodes where we actually model a process where we hear God's word, we meditate on it, and we pray it back to him before we spend time applying it to the rest of our life. We're in season four where we're praying through letters of the New Testament. And uh, this is episode 20 of season four where we're finishing up 1 John 5. We're going to go ahead and read it now. So listen to God's word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by shedding His blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about His Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin leading to death, he shall ask, and God's will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God 
protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Angela, I'm just curious. We've read through chapter 5, 1 John, 21 verses here. And so I'm curious, when you open up the Bible, is this hard for you to read Scripture? It is, especially for this chapter. It is not like a psalm where it's very clear-cut. I can relate totally what the psalmist is saying, whether they are rejoicing in the Lord or they're in the pits and seeking help from the Lord. In a chapter like this where John is imparting his last words to his uh, readers, I find it very hard to pray through the scriptures because there's so many true statements there that I need to pause and think about it and understand what he really is trying to say before I can say the amen. I find that John's language is very, it's packed full of a lot of concepts. And even though it's simple language, the thoughts behind it or underneath it seem very profound. And so I find that I'm th- I'm thinking of it more as like um, trying to follow a train of thought more than as a prayer. And it's it's not exactly easy for me to just keep praying through it. And so one of my goals in first 15 in this podcast is to read through scripture and try to, I guess, extend my own time of, I guess I'd say my listening capacity to be able to hear scripture, hear God speak. And so I really need this. What were some of the things that stood out to you in in this chapter in 1 John 5? I mean, he starts off talking about little children, you know, belief and faith and testimony. I just remember these words came up a lot. And then he goes into talking about the water and the blood and the spirit and all these things that testify. So a lot of that first part made me think a little bit about John's gospel, but it's a little hard for me to follow and to know how exactly to pray this, like in, in, a, in a deep heartfelt way. Maybe you had a different take or you saw it differently. I don't know. Where did he mention little children more than once? In verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ become a child of God, and we know we love God's children in verse 2, and verse 4, every child of God defeats this world. I mean, at least three times I heard child of God in there. What do you take that to mean? It's like, to me, it's John's term of address. He's obviously an older elder in the faith, and so as he's writing this letter to Christians who, it seems, are being challenged or even tempted, I guess, in a sense of not giving as much centrality or importance to Jesus and the fact that there are antichrists. I mean, there's people who are just denying that Jesus came in the flesh or that it's not really important to believe all that stuff. And it's almost like he's the older, much older Christian calling us children because we are children in the faith compared to him. Where John has yeah. been. I mean, yeah. he said he touched, he he saw, he handled, mm-hmm. you know, he was in Jesus' presence, physically, bodily. Obviously, probably no one he was speaking to could make the same claim. No one had the same relationship with Jesus that he had. So for him, it's like, of course Jesus came in the flesh. I saw him. He was a walking, breathing, living being, you know? And 
he wasn't just something made up in our imagination or like some incarnation of a god who kind of walked around or floated around three feet above the ground or had like a different hue and tint to his skin or a halo around his head. It's like, no, he was, he was just like us. He was human. Talking to a generation who probably have not touched or seen Jesus in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So he's passing on a lot of truths that he understood through his living experience with Jesus. But, but he's very patient because I noticed that John in this letter isn't like chastising or, of course Jesus came in the flesh, you you know, like dumb, you know, are you simpletons? Can't you get it through your head? You know, he's patient, but he keeps repeating these themes, like they're truths and folks, kids, children, we just need to really embrace these because they're so true. And if you don't, I see where this leads. It leads to a life where you don't have mastery over sin and you're not going to treat people right. And he just seems to have really a very fatherly, grandfatherly sort of spirit about him that comes through to me. There's a lot of true statements that he's saying. He's an elder of the church. And so when I think about um, people, older mentors in my life, I remember in our 20s, um, us meeting, uh, meeting Bob for um, counsel and um, suggestions and advice on the work that we were beginning on our own. Uh, On those Friday afternoons, he would share with us things and hear us out. And then he would say things that I didn't get until much later. And I suppose that's what John is saying. He's saying a lot of truths and statements that until I I live a few more years, I will not quite get it. And I remember one occasion when I asked him, I said, Bob, do you have a mentor yourself? And he said, I do. I was like, he's white hair. He should know everything by now. And then I said, you do? He said, I do. In fact, he's in his 90s. And that was like my big uh aha. You could be in your 90s and still have a sharp mind and still passing on truths. We were in our generation. 20s talking to this man who was in his 60s, you know, he already could have, he was at retirement age. This is kind of his retirement job that he was doing. Yeah. And, and yet he had someone even in an older generation in his 90s who was his mentor. Yeah. He said, of course, we're always learning. There are always yeah. new insights. And I realized there is something valuable about learning from someone who is further along. He was a great model to us, wasn't he? Exactly. So when you said, John made several references about dear children, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, he's not being condescending, Mm -hmm. but he is really an old guy. (laughs) (laughs) So he's saying a lot of things that like you don't get, but Mm -hmm. sorry, those are the truths, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I struggled with earlier, the episodes were, was kind of easy, but this one was difficult. I think it's because there was just so many things that John touched on in this last chapter that I just don't get. And even if I get it, I want to look at it one more time. So when you're talking about First John 5, about being an elderly person talking and packing in a lot of truths, these are true statements. So for instance, Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a true statement that he has full 100% conviction that that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone who wishes to overcome the world, you got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There's no, you could choose something else. There's no gray. It's black and white. Exactly. And some of us who are young in faith or struggling or 
have not had enough life experience or whatever the, the situation is, we don't buy that truth. And I can get that. You know, the first verse of chapter 5, it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. It's just very simple, but a profound truth. And that's not the only time he says it throughout this chapter. He repeats that several times that you got to believe Jesus is the Christ. He's, he is the Son of God. And if you believe that, you yourself have been born of God. You have entered into this thing called life eternal, which is not life everlasting, meaning, you know, you only enter it after you die. It's something that starts right now. That's one of the things that John's gospel emphasizes is, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. And it starts right now from the moment you are born again. I also like the validation and confirmation from John having walked with Jesus In his final message, he says, His commands are not burdensome, for Mm. everyone born of God overcomes the world. Mm -hmm. Verse 3. And, you know, it brings brings to mind the verse in the Gospels where Jesus says, My yoke is easy. And he's basically confirming that. Mm-hmm. But if I just read that statement without taking a moment to revisit, like, so what are his commands that John is referring to that Jesus says, you know, I'm looking at chapter 3, verse 23. His commands is to believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another mm-hmm. as he commanded us. It was yeah. simple. It's very simple. Very powerful. Yeah, you were actually alluding to that verse, Matthew 11, where, you know, Jesus says, you know, take my yoke and come and learn of me. My my yoke is easy. It's not a burdensome thing. And we, we came across that in Journey with Jesus. But yeah, here, Jesus is basically saying, you can ask for anything. This is the first reference to prayer, by the way, overtly in, in this letter, 1 John 5. First reference to prayer which says, you can ask anything according to his will. He listens to us if you are praying according to God's will. And I remember as we were preparing for this recording, you were asking me about, you know, the will of God. What is his will? Yeah, what is God's will? We often ask ourselves that, especially when we are struggling or having a difficulty or we are young in our faith what, or just in our daily walk. What is your will? I want to do your will. So what is your will? It's interesting to me. I mean, John doesn't tackle this head on, but he also doesn't pass by it in complete silence either. He does say something about it in passing. In chapter 2, it may not have registered or made a deep impression, but in First John 2, verse 17, in fact, he told us the world is passing away with its lust or its desires, but the one who does God's will remains forever. Verse 17. Yeah. So if you do God's will, you're building on bedrock. You're building on something solid. And it also reminds me in John's gospel in chapter 7, Jesus tells his opponents who are questioning him, he says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he'll know that I'm speaking of the things, you know, I was sent by the Father and I'm doing his, his work. If you choose to do God's will, and it's a very pointed statement in context in John 7, because Jesus being basically confronted by people who do not believe he came from the Father, and that he's basically doing demonic things. He's doing Satan's work by claiming that he is so close to God. And Jesus says, no, no, if you are set, if you choose to do God's will, you'll know the truth. But and, what is God's will? Well, the picture to me is pretty clear. John doesn't operate from the assumption that God's will is some mysterious, hidden thing that's hard to figure out. 
It's pretty simple. God's will is that everyone be saved. God's will is that we walk in his love, that we practice his love to other people. That's God's will. Now, we want to make it more complicated. We want it to be like really sharply etched and well-defined like, oh God, today, as I make this decision about what job to, or what course of study to embark on, or which school to go to, or, you know, we, we have all sorts of decisions in life that we want to know what God's will about that is. And I think John would say, you're missing the point. It's not about making the precise, you know, right decision. It's, are you coming from love? Are you trusting God? Are you walking with Him? If so, you're in God's will. Go and do what is right. Go and do what, you know, what light you have for your path. Go do that and walk with Him. And if you're stumbling or if you have trouble with it, He's going to bring you along. He's going to take care of things. Walk in faith. In other words, if I hear you correctly, it's just do what is right. Yeah, it's doing what's right, what He's revealed, doing the truth doing the loving thing. So it kind of goes back to like fruit of the Spirit. If it's love, if it gives joy, if it's about God's peace, if there's God's peace in doing it, you're in His will. You know, if the Spirit's producing that kind of fruit in you, if it's helping you grow in self-control, if it's helping you to do what's right and just, yeah. If it's lovely, if it's admirable, these are the good things that we should be doing. And it's God's will. It's not like it's a, God has these minute plans and you've got to figure it. And it's um, kind of almost like a game of hide and seek. Like God's taunting us. Like I'm just wanting you to figure it out. I don't think it's that way. Read verse 21 one more time. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Kind of a head scratcher, <laughs> just to tell the truth. Because in the whole letter, these first past five chapters, he's not said anything about idols. And then... It's an interesting tagline at the end to say, little children, keep yourself from idols. Yeah, you don't know what that idol is. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, coming from the context that I am from, I mean, there are clear idols everywhere because there was, it's a multiracial, multi-religious society that I In was from. Singapore, right. And there's actually physical idols. I mean, like statues <laughs> that people go to pray to. Incense, or, yeah. you know, being you know, burned right. 24-7. So and, it was clear and, what those idols were. And yet here in the West, and we're in the United States, but in other Western countries as well, having statues and physical idols isn't so common. What are some of the idols that you can name that we've kind of fallen into uh, following without realizing as Christians that we are pursuing that? What do you see? You know, it's anything that I think we put faith and trust in that really belongs to God alone. Mm. So... We look to idols for deliverance, for salvation. One of the idols I see is people look to politics. They follow politics religiously. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and will argue about it and get their, their emotions up and very heated. So politics is one of the idols. Sports and entertainment, media, you know, movies and TV shows stars, celebrities, these are all, I mean, literally idols, American Idol, right? We've got a, a, a very famous American uh, TV show that has other versions in other countries, but we call it American Idol. Why do we call them idols? Because people follow these celebrities or these singers like they're some sort of idol, right? 
I mean, what and it's said tongue in cheek, but so, there's some reality to it, some truth. Is it a is it the spirit of deception that have us follow that? Because most of us would say we justify and say, well, I'm not following as much as so and so, or I don't spend that many hours compared to whatever the norm is. Most people would say. I am not following an idol. <laughs> when you, all of us, we are following something. Let's be honest about this. We tend to be pretty defensive about our idols, even the fact that it is an idol. A lot of us don't want to admit it or we'll just deny it to our death. So here's a good test for us, or at least it is a test of whether something is an idol or not. You know, it's kind of like the person who says they're not an alcoholic or they're not an addict, you know, and you, you point out, well, you know, you drink a lot and say, I don't drink a lot, you know, or if you point out something to someone else and there's a defensive reaction. Spending way too much time on your phone. Yeah. If you're defensive about it, maybe it's an idol. If it's taken away from you or if you are prevented from engaging and indulging in it. Maybe it's an idol. So as an example, you know, you, you, there's nothing wrong with being a football fan, right? But what if something happens to interrupt, like a child needs your attention and comes and interrupts your game? Do you give the child attention? Do you show love? Or do you try to shoo them off and say, don't bother me, I'm watching the, or whatever. You know, it's like if someone gets in between you and your idol, I put that in quote marks, but, you know, something that you are feel passionate about this, you follow passionately your politics or whatever, how do you respond? Is it enough to make you unloving to people? If so, then it's very likely an idol. What if you have enough self-awareness and everyone points it out and then stop the practice? Goes back to First John 2 when he said, you know, the, the desires of the flesh, the things of this world that, are, that we are so drawn to, that we're so tangled up in. He said, they're passing away. And so we're not going to have them anyway. You know, there's a lesson for us, like in the past year to, you know, 2020, in the beginning stages of the pandemic, back in the spring of 2020, there were no sports. It got taken away. (laughs) There was no professional sports. It interrupted the season. There was no Olympics. We didn't get to enjoy the Tokyo Olympics 2020. Uh, You know, those things were taken away. Our idols, all of them, are going to be taken away. Our political figure that we put so much hope in, he or she is going to leave the stage eventually. They're going to be gone. They don't last forever. They don't live forever. Our idols will be taken away from us eventually. So it's so much better if we choose voluntarily to renounce and give up our idols and to embrace what is true. First John 5.20 We are in Him who is true. We are in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. And this is eternal life. Meaning, this life isn't going to end. This, If you put your hope in this, if you put your life in this, it's never going to disappoint you. It's not going away. Anything that you can't say that about, it's an idol. If it doesn't last forever, if it won't be there for you, even when the bottom has dropped out of your life, even when you're in your deathbed and the dying breath on your lips, unless it's going to be there for you on the other side of that last breath, it's an idol. So why don't we put our hope and faith and trust in the only thing that lasts? I think that's John's wisdom for us. Are you asking us to be mystical? I would say it's a hard-eyed realism. It's not mystical. It's not like something off on a mountaintop. It's something right here. 
I'm looking in this house that you and I are in, right here in this town, this community, right here in this moment, it's very practical. It's like, how embrace what's true. Because everything and everyone could be an idol. Because I'm just... Yeah, everything is an idol that doesn't last. You know, God gives so, us so are many you good things. Us to be mystical. No, God gives us good things like our children. God gives us good things like food. He lets us have them and enjoy them and their blessings. But when you take any one of these things and make it the center of your life or the, the thing that you're really pursuing and chasing after and it becomes an idol, then your life gets off center. It becomes warped. So I'm not saying it's mystical in the sense that to me, mystical is going off out of this life on some, like I'd say, some tangent or some pursuit that's way out there. And the fact is, when we live our life centered around an idol, we it looks normal to us because everything around us is deeply immersed in idolatry. But in fact, all of it is off base. It's, it's like the mystical quest. It's taking us way off of center. The thing that keeps us rooted right here is being centered in God. Wow. I mean, I say that, and I'm not living it fully. I'm not living it even, you know, enough to to be a very good spokesman about this. But if there's any truth in what I'm saying, I really would ask you to examine it. Test the spirits, the scripture says. See if there's something in your spirit that responds to this and says, well, I don't know about all all that other stuff he said, but that is true. Then deal with God and embrace what is lasting and what's true. That's eternal life, he says. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That is, you know, Twitter has 140 characters, right? And it's, you say what you want to say in that 140 characters in the most complete way that you can. Mm -hmm. I find that this verse 5 is like the most complete complete way of mm. understanding what the gospel and who God is. Mm. That's a good one. First John 5, 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You've got to believe. And it's a process. It's a journey mm-hmm. to have that kind of conviction, to see the testimonies, um, the power of God working in your life and how it's transformed. And, and that out of those testimonies in your life, then you have this conviction that you want to share. So if there's anything, I think maybe help us overcome our unbelief, Lord, and increase our faith that you do greater things than we think ourselves capable. Like, you know, show me what more you want us to do. And let me just be swept away by your river of life and to do it. Well, there's a lot that we've talked about here. Let's um, go ahead and pray. Yeah. There's just so much there's just so much we're trying to process here. Mm. My suggestion to you listening is take a portion of scripture. You're not obligated as an example to pray through a whole chapter. Angela was sharing with me that um, what she'll often do, especially in one of the letters in the New Testament, is start reading a portion of scripture and after just one or two verses, just stop there and and begin praying it and you can do the same thing on your own. I would encourage you to go back to First John 5 and read through it. You can read through the whole chapter, but just find the verse. Find the verse that seems to really resonate with you, that you want to pray back to God. Angela mentioned First John 5, 5, and there's many good ones here. But I'm just going to lead us in prayer now and 
I invite you to really feast on God's Word and make it a regular part of your daily meditation and your ongoing prayer. God, I just want to begin by praising you and just thanking you for sending Jesus, sending your Son into the world. Thank you for showing us the falseness of the idols that are around us. So many claiming to know the way and to want to show us the way and and claiming to be all of that, you know, everything, the the greatest, the, the best. And they disappoint. They don't last. Only your truth lasts. Only your your truth and your love satisfy. And not only keeps us out of disappointment, but actually gives us great delight and fulfillment. Gives us eternal life. Life that doesn't end. That just gets richer and better and deeper. Lord, it's not some mystical quest that will take us out of our everyday concerns and out of our home, out of our city, out of our families. But in fact, it's it's rooted right here where we are, where you've put us. We can remain in you. We can live in your love, in your fellowship with you. And it just comes from being able to testify that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the truth. And your Spirit, God, testifies to us in our own spirits that this is true and gives us strength to face the trials, the difficulties, the doubts, the yucky emotions that just come up as a normal part of living this life. And I pray, Lord, just help us keep returning to love, to your love. Mm. Keep practicing love for those around us. And we don't do it well. We don't do it enough. And we can't do it enough on our own strength. It's only by your Spirit working in us. It's only because what Jesus has shown us that we can come from love. And thank you for your grace. Thank you for just bringing us into a better place. Thank you for the one listening right now. I just want to pray for them and Lord speak to their heart and their spirit in this moment. Thank you that they are still praying with us and using scripture to lead them deeper into fellowship and walk with you daily. And I'm just I'm thankful for those who are sharing this journey with us. And we share that fellowship and it's a sweet thing. I give thanks to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to say one final thing. We're not done with the letters. I'm thinking there's one more letter still to be done. uh, And just tune in for the next episode and you'll see where we're going to go with that. I don't want to give a big promotion here for that. But uh, something very practical. And I think we'll speak to the younger people especially. I want to say thank you, though. If you've noticed anything about this podcast, maybe uh, something about the sound quality... That is very much due to one of our listeners who just reached out to us and and said, hey, I work for a company that makes sound equipment. I'd like to bless you in what you're doing through that. And so we have a new microphone sitting right here between us. Thank you so much. And some headphones for us to to be listening in. And it's just so, it's such a blessing. And I'm thankful. An encouragement. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm just, um, I'm grateful. And, you know, someone I've never met in person 
lives in another part of the country in the United States, but I'm grateful. So whatever God puts on your heart to do for someone else, to show some love, just do it. Just just follow through and respond and let the Spirit guide you and lead you however that shows up, whatever form that takes, and just trust God to bless it. Because when we're acting in obedience, we're acting in faith, we really can't go wrong. God is in charge. He'll take care of us. I appreciate you for listening and for being part of this journey as we've gone through First John, this letter, the last uh, five episodes. And thankful for Angela joining me and being um, part of this. And um, I know some of you really appreciate some of her contributions. So if you have anything to share with us or thing, some feedback to give us, do reach out to us through our Facebook page, Word of Prayer uh, 15, or Instagram account, or Twitter. They're all Word of Prayer 15. You can find us through one of those um, avenues. We also have a website that's Word of Prayer. That's with dashes, wordofprayer.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.